I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, home of the modern whitetail hunter. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your guest host, Tony Peterson, and today I'm speaking with the one and only Alex Gilstrom. All right, folks, welcome to the Wire to Hunt podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. You've probably figured out that this is not the voice of Mark Kenyon. Good old Kenyon actually caught a private jet down to California to spend some time in Silicon Valley. It turns out that Meta, you know, the company that owns Facebook and Instagram, is giving Mark an award for most social media selfies in a single year, at least in the 30 to 39 men's age class category. I think, what's that lizard guy's name? Uh, Zuckerberg. I think Zuckerberg's actually presenting the award. So that's, uh, I guess, pretty cool for Mark. And speaking of Mark, a guy who has no doubt faced all kinds of slumps in his life, that's the whole theme behind this podcast with Alex Gilstrom. We all face bad streaks of whitetail hunting, and it's tough to break the slump and get out of them. So today, Alex, you know, who's a diehard public land hunter and one of the corner office folks over there at Whitetail Properties, he and I are going to talk about the worst streaks we've ever had and how we broke them. I think anyone who hunts whitetails can relate to this episode. And if you can't, keep hunting and eventually you'll be able to relate. Gilly, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. You have a baby, which is your first one that you know about, right? That I know <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Yes. And, and that baby is due when? The uh, baby is due February 8th. 
Okay. And that, so not to get too personal here, but I'm going to anyway, was that timed out around deer hunting or was that just a happy accident? A little bit of both. Uh, we actually not without, again, not without to get into, (laughs) into a whole, a whole saga of the story here, but we, we, we really, uh, we went through kind of a, a battle, man. I mean, we, we, uh, we had, originally we were doing the whole like timing thing. Right. So like we were married for about a couple of years and we're like, okay, now it's like time to want to start a family. I'm not getting any younger, certainly not getting any uh, better looking. So we need to start trying to get these, uh, get these kids going. Right. And, um, and so we went the whole thing. We got pretty, we got pregnant fairly quickly and then had a miscarriage. So it was like, okay, well shoot, like what's that going to do? So went through that whole thing and then it was like, all right, we're going to start trying again. And then like could not get pregnant for like two, almost two years. So it reached the, it reached the point where at first we were definitely on the on the track of like okay let's be smart about this let's yep. really time this and then it reached a point of like okay we just got to do whatever we can do to make it happen so like went through like the whole infertility thing and like and everything ended up checking out okay and got the right you know the right help and and, and we were we and all things considered we were pretty lucky which meaning it took very it took little guidance or help for us to actually conceive and, and make it happen so that was great but. Uh, all that aside, it ended up working out perfectly <laughs> from a timing standpoint. So, so, so this is going to be a terrible analogy, but I'm going to say it anyway. So you started out and you're like the, the, the diehard pheasant hunter with a pointer and you've got the nice over under and you're like only perfect points, perfect flushes. I'm only, I'm only taking the right shot and then it's a whiff and then you lose one in the grass and you lose one in the cattails and pretty soon you've got the semi-auto with five shells and you're shooting them out of the car window. Yeah. Yeah. And where were you like, where you're like, I think that was a rooster, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, we were definitely, I was definitely there. You're you're Googling the game farms closest to your house. You can go shoot some planted birds just to feel better. Exactly. Yeah. Who's running? Yeah. Who's running plant discount or planted bird discounts and stuff like that. We were, yeah, we were on that version of baby of of having a baby. So, (laughs) well, I'm so happy for you, man. You, uh, you you got lucky. You know, we, I had a vastly different experience. we we got pregnant instantly, like barely any trying whatsoever. And it was like, I'm like, it's gotta be right after deer season. And as far before Turkey season as it could possibly be, and I mean, I nailed it. It was perfect. And that, except uh, instead of one baby, we had two got, and twins always come two. early. Yeah. So I was literally buying groceries to go muzzleloader hunting. Cause I'm like, I got six weeks left before these kids are coming. And my wife called me and she's like, my water broke. And I was like, I, I hate to admit this. So I'm going to anyway. I thought then I'm like, this is going to screw up my muzzleloader hunting for the rest of my life. And it literally has. Yep. I get it, dude. I, I totally understand. <laughs> Where it's like you hear stories from buddies where it's like, oh, you know, they, and it's and you, and you like see and, and they, they, they turn it into a positive. Right. But it's like you these kids that are born during November and it's like, oh, I get to hunt with my kids and this and the birth, you know, they get to hunt a birthday book and all this and that. And I'm like, that sounds great. But what does it take? Like a dozen years before it gets cool. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that does not sound yeah. fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can hunt with your kid when they're born anytime. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, you gotta, you gotta look for the silver lining on that stuff, of but course. it's, I'm, I'm curious with you, you and I, we've known each other a long time. We did a, we did a thing for North American whitetail for a couple of years called project public, where we hunted a bunch of public land. And yeah. so we've been, you know, we've kind of flown in the same circle for a long time. You do a lot of public land stuff and, 
I, you know, when, when we were going to have the girls, everybody's like, oh, you're not going to have any more time to hunt. Like you're going to be, and I'm like, well, you know, it's my job and I'm going to do this. Like I wasn't that worried about it, but what I was worried about was going from essentially not unlimited time, but like real time. If I got a tag somewhere, I'm like, I can give this eight or 10 days, which is a lot of time. And then, you know, to be in, okay, you got three days, four days, whatever. And I was, I was worried that it was like, I'm going to hit a bunch of these, these streaks where I'm just not going to be able to make it happen. And it actually made me super focused. And I went on a tear for several years after we had the girls. Cause it was like, you only have X amount of time and you better get real efficient with it. And yeah. so I'm, I'm curious to see how this shakes out for you. Cause I think, you know, and I think I talked to Annie May about this too, one time, like, I think for some people, it's like a major driver to like, get your shit together. And like, you don't, you don't have time to waste anymore. For me, and you're totally agree. So efficiency has always been a huge focus for me for a month, for a number of reasons. Like obviously super lucky to have a career in the outdoor industry, but like, I'll, you know, I'll say like, I write a lot of stuff with you. Like we do a lot of, you know, a lot of content stuff too, but like I have a day job, right? Thankfully it's in the outdoor industry, which is fantastic, but there's still like, everybody thinks like we, we joke about it all the time in the hunting industry. It's like, I should have like, we it was like, man, if I wanted to hunt all the time, I should have just got, I should have gotten to the fishing industry, not, <laughs> not the other way around. So it's kind of like, it's kind of real. Like, you know, people think we just get to hunt all the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. We do get to hunt a lot and it's awesome, but, um, there's still responsibilities and priorities and things like that. When you're, you know, managing teams and multiple people, you, you've got, you've got things to do. So efficiency is super important. I got married, like that enters a whole new realm of responsibility and priorities. And I want to be there and spend time with my wife and I want to, you know, have, be that, have that presence. So efficiency has always been a huge focus of mine. And, and just like you, I mean, I love to go a lot of different places and do a lot of hunts. There's only so much time. So I actually, I talk about and write about this a lot. And it, like, I call it like hunting with a three day mindset. And so regardless of where you are, how much time you have, it's like, what if you only had three days to get it done? And so I, I really, and now more importantly, I'm hoping that that philosophy and kind of my, my approach from that standpoint has led me to be able to kind of continue that and probably even ramp it up even more. So once kid, you know, once baby gets here and the kids start going, I mean, and, and I mean, by no means, it's like, I always, you know, talk like Andy May, man, you said, like you said, it, it's like, it's, it's so amazing how efficient that guy actually is and continues to get it done. So consistently, I'm not on that level. I don't pretend to, like, I'm like, the last 10 minutes of daylight on the final day of wherever I'm going to be like, that's when I kill. And then I've got to figure out, okay, I need more time tomorrow to process the deer, take them out, do whatever I'm going to do because I, it just always happens that way. But yep. um, I, yeah, efficiency to your point, efficiency is a major driver behind, you know, what I do just because there's so many other things going on. And as, as much as I would just like, Oh, I'm going to dedicate how I'm going to be in this state or in this place, however long it takes. And that's what I'm here to do. And it just, it, it never seems to work out that way, but definitely, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not oblivious to the fact that efficiency is going to be a major, major priority moving mm-hmm. forward for sure. Well, and I think that, you know, you've done this a lot. I've done this a lot where we just encourage people to go travel and try these hunts because yeah. you really find out a lot about yourself. And I think what bites a lot of hunters in the ass is if you're if you're the kind of guy who's like I've got my grandma's farm or this lease or whatever and I I hunt in state I can only afford to do this or I don't have the desire to travel you can kind of get complacent with that and and I think a lot of people go you know I could hunt September or I could hunt early October but I'm going to wait for the rut and I'll get it done then 
And then you go to when you should be able to get it done and the weather sucks and it's 75 degrees and, yeah. or, you know, whatever, whatever, things conspire against you and it just doesn't happen. And now you look back and you go, man, I had an awful lot of opportunities. I could have hunted earlier and didn't. And now you're in that late season situation where your tag's not filled and it's just a different ball game. And when you go do those, you know, if you, you travel out of state one time and you're like, I've got five days and I got this expensive non-resident tag to make the most of it changes how you focus. And I, I know you do this a lot. Like when I travel, it doesn't matter where I go. I'm always bringing home something with me where I'm like, I can use that in Minnesota oh, or where in Wisconsin, yeah. where I hunt a lot, where I do tend, I should have more time. And I think those lessons are so important. You, you learn, I mean, uh, yes, hundred percent. I mean, I've learned, it has essentially taught me how to hunt. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you, you know, I, I grew up hunting permission properties in, in Southwest Michigan and everything like that with my dad and family and stuff. And you, you, you cut your teeth and you learn like, like really big, like maybe, maybe pillar esque like values and like, okay, you know, I need to play the wind because you know, the, the core, the core concepts or strategies behind hunting, you can learn that stuff and, and obviously continue to learn if you're, if you're, if your perspective is right, you can certainly learn, you know, tons and tons and tons on private land. But public hunting like you said from the efficiency standpoint limited time to get it done and just learning new terrain and different habitats i mean that is what has sculpted like my knowledge base of hunting and how to how to do it you know how to get it done on whitetails and i i mean you never know what the future holds and i know you with the girls getting older and everything that you've certainly spent more time than you had in the past on private land like your farm or whatever of just you know being able to enjoy that time with your family and, and do that more and i'm sure that's in my future as well but I can't imagine a scenario where I'm never going to not hunt public land simply from the standpoint of my hunting isn't, isn't, I want to kill the, of course I want to kill. I like killing big mature deer. I love that, 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 that chess match with a, with a, you know, old wily buck, but, um, it's such a passion for knowledge and, 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 and just try to just try to advance myself, my skills, be the best hunter I can be, learn about deer as much as I possibly can. And, and I just don't think there's any better way to do that than, than limited time on public land. It, it is the ultimate teacher. I mean, it will just, yeah. it will, it will build you up and tear you down faster than anything. Yeah. And it, it is weird. I mean, I, I'm, you know, the last two years I've spent probably almost as much time hunting with my daughters as I have just for myself. And I have been on private land with them. And it's like, I find myself loving you know, I can go out and brush in a blind and that sucker's yeah. going to stay there. You know, yep, like yep. I can, I can set, like, I can really set the stage, but it actually makes me like really crave that show up at a new chunk of public land somewhere and figure it out. And I kind of feel I like, personally, I've just been in like this, this sort of weird spot with the meat eater gig and, you know, having to film more and save some tags and stuff where I'm like, I haven't found that balance yet. And I feel yeah. like after this year, I'm like, I got, I got this like lined out. Like I know how I'm going to have to do this to still love it because you can, you know how it is. Like you can slip into like a danger zone pretty quick when it's like too much of your job or too yeah. much pressure. And I don't know about you, but for me, uh, if I start getting like, if I start putting a lot of pressure on myself, like let's say, you know, I go to a couple States and I don't fill a tag or, you know, like I just don't have that hunt that like fulfills me or I don't kill one at home. And I start getting toward the end of the year, I start really putting pressure on myself. And that's when I will just flame out. Like I, yeah. I make bad decisions. You're spot on. I mean, I can totally relate to that. My last, like 
banger year, I would say, was 2019, I think. And I killed, uh, I think I killed three bucks and had really good, I mean, just, just saw, I felt like, I felt like I saw a deer I would shoot, like I shoot almost every, almost, almost like every time I hit the woods, like it was crazy. Right. And it's been, I mean, honestly, every season since then, the last three years has been, has been, have been a grind. So ironically to your point this year, I drew an Iowa tag, which obviously, as you know, is like something everybody looks forward to. We carve out a bunch of time. And I had some buddies that, I, long story short, I actually had some access to some pretty good private ground in Iowa this year, which is, which is never, I mean, that has not happened before. So I was like, even though I love spending so much time on public land, I've been doing that so much the last, you know, forever, I was kind of like, secretly like loving it like i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna get to like there's gonna be food sources and there's gonna be like even food plots and i'm gonna get to set the, like this is gonna be awesome like and 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 i love the dynamic of that and i've you know year I, every year i always help buddies plant food plots and and set some farms up and stuff for them that i don't i mean i don't hunt but i just enjoy doing it and being out there and stuff like that so i mean i've got a knowledge base of it but just not getting to enjoy it a lot myself and the craziest thing man like actually and it was it was a phenomenal like I, I, it was, I broke it up into a couple different segments of four day periods where I hunted on the, on that private ground in Iowa. And it actually caused me, and it was only, like I said, a handful of days and I did love it, but it actually caused me to miss and, and uh, even just being on public land. Like I just, I just enjoy like where I wasn't hanging and hunting and doing my thing and scouting just constantly. Like it wasn't so much of that. Um, so in a weird way, like it was super fun to kind of try something different and something that was a little bit unique to my, the way I'd been hunting for the last, you know, so many years, but it was still, it was a cool thing. So I'm kind of in, not necessarily in the same boat as you yet, but on the same track, I'm on the same path as you, I feel like where it's something I want to do. I want to continue to understand managing land and doing some more, you know, interesting things like that with private land. But I just got to, I just got to determine where that balance is for myself. Yep. That, that buck you killed down there is freaking sweet, man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. That is yeah, a cool it a, deer. It was a fun one. Yeah, I was. It was such a weird thing, honestly. Like, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but just like, I don't know about you, but like, there is, you know, obviously, an encounter can take anywhere from like multiple minutes to anywhere to like seconds, right? And like, I have internal conversations with myself throughout that entire situation. So, like, with this buck. I spotted him. I don't know. He was like 60 yards, 70 yards away and some thick stuff kind of just bumping does. And all I could see was like his body. And I was like, absolutely. like, that's a mature buck. No doubt. Like he's a, he's a monster like body wise. I couldn't really see his head. And I'm starting to have this back and forth. Like, okay, should I call to him? You know, I'm I'm like asking myself and answering these questions internally. All I feel like we, we, like we all do. Right. And I, so I ended up calling to him a little bit and I pull him my, I pull, he starts coming my way, but it's still thick. And then finally kind of, steps out into the opening a little bit and he's, he's probably like 50 yards or so. And I can tell it's this, it's, and it's a deer that my buddies had had trail camera pictures of for years. They called him the big seven. It was just this, just this ancient old, big, gnarly seven point. And long story short, he, he snort wheezes and like just does the whole thing. And he's lip curling and just being awesome. And, and I'm like, there's this big deep ditch between the two of us. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. And, and, and I started just having these thoughts and I was like, man, it's like my Iowa tag and I waited so long to have it. And I know there's good deer around and there's some other stuff I can hunt. And it's like, I don't know. It. And I'm just sitting there like, do I want to shoot this, this ancient, big, old, gnarly buck? And I'm like, actually like having this debate in my head. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I want to shoot him. I don't know. I get, I, and I was like, I have my bow and I was like, man, and maybe if he crosses this ditch and like comes up on, on this other side, I mean, it's like an eight foot deep ditch. So I was like, if he crosses that and comes up on my side, he's like, 
he's like 15 to 18 yards depending and and he'd be right there and so he starts kind of doing his thing and he starts he rubs a tree a little bit and i can just see his frame like this big old gnarly seven point frame just going on and i eventually i was like i'm having this debate and eventually i'm like i asked myself and i just like everything stopped in my head and i just i just said I'm like dude who do you think you are like i'm like i literally i almost audibly said it like i almost audibly said it because i got so frustrated with myself i'm like you I said this this big ancient mature deer six I mean six seven eight years old and way over I mean he's way over five and just big and awesome and I'm like who do you think you are man like you're you're kidding me like you just public land hunter you know from Southwest Michigan all of a sudden you're in Iowa and this big massive buck is standing in front of you and you're debating if he's good enough for you to shoot I got I got almost mad at myself I was like I'm hammering this thing and sure enough he finally broke came down this ditch came out the other side and I you know shot him at eighteen he ran forty and tipped over I mean it was and then finally to go ahead and get my hands on him and see what he actually was just from being a freak kind of cool deer. I was like, I was so like, there was no negative feelings at all. Other than the fact that I was, I was disappointed in myself from being one of those, like I was kind of being a prick about it. Right. Like I just, (laughs) I was so mad at myself. (laughs) Yeah. That's really hard for me to relate to. Cause when I see a buck like that, I don't have any, like I'm never like, um, should I, or should I not? I'm always like, yeah, I want to kill that. And it's uncharacteristic for me too. Like it, I never usually have that feeling and I had it and I was like, what is wrong? Like, I don't, so anyway, I'm super happy that I got over my douchiness for about five minutes and I, and I, and I shot this thing and, and, it, and it ended up happening the way it happened because I couldn't, I mean, I mean, and, I, and then I'm like sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, like how many, how many eight and 10 points have you shot or will you shoot, you know, in your, in your lifetime? It's like, you may, I may never even see a deer like that again. So yeah, super, super pumped about it. It was an awesome trip. And yeah, I was really glad it all came together finally after a, it's been a grind, dude. Like you said, I mean, it has been a grind up to that point. So it was, it was awesome to finally punch a tag. So, so let's talk about that. What's yeah. the worst slump you've ever had for whitetails? You got mm-hmm. one that sticks out one season? Uh, yeah. Um, Are there so many that you can't choose? Them? <laughs> Honestly, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, believe it or not, man, like I would probably say, and I'm, I'm not even categorizing it necessarily in a, from a standpoint of like filling a tag. Um, I would say probably this year, dude, like in oh. all seriousness, like in, in recent memory, like don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I killed a great buck in Iowa and I'm super happy with that. And I've still got some time left and some things I'm going to, I'm going to try to hunt in Illinois and of, of public I got around here that I've scouted a lot, but, um, it has been like to even see a buck, a shoot, like a buck I would shoot or, and my, so my goal just without getting too into it, like whenever I'm on my trip, right? Like if I'm going on a trip, I'm like, here's five days here, here's three days, three to seven days on a trip somewhere. My, my main goal most of the time is to shoot a good representation of that area. That like, that's kind of my, my, my scale, my, my measuring stick. And so, um, you know, I know you hunt the Dakotas a lot. I do too. Like South Dakota is one of my favorite places in the world. And I've been going out there and hunting, a, you know, a few different areas of, of a larger region for years and years and years. And this was the first year I did not. And, and you can point to a million different things. The weather was crappy. It was like 80 degrees, four days in a row. And like there was, and believe it or not, like when I was there in South Dakota, it was like, there was three consecutive days where the wind speed did not get over seven miles an hour, which 
is un- I mean, I'm like, this is un- unbelievable. Like, I just can't yep. even put wrap my mind around it. And I did not, long story short, I was there seven days, six days. I was there six days, did not see a buck that I would shoot while hunting. And that had never happened to me in almost a, de- in a decade of doing that. And, um, and then even here in Illinois, um, like I said, I haven't spent a lot of time here in Illinois yet because I had that Iowa tag and I was wanting to dedicate most of my, my season to that. But in probably eight hunts, nine hunts here in, in Illinois, in Western Illinois where I live, um, I've yet to see, I've yet to see a deer that, that I would shoot. So it's, it's been, that's been really tough. So what do you, what do you do? Do you just stick to your guns and say, it's still a buck. That's a good representation of the area. Or do you ever just go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make my decision when he starts walking down the trail or do you try to shoot a doe or what do you, what do you do? How do you break that slump? So I try, yeah, with does are always a question mark for me because I love shooting them so much and I love eating them. So it's always, it's always, I know with, with a doe, I never really know. I just kind of let them, I'm whatever's going to happen in that moment. I'm going to let whatever happens in that moment happen because I just, I love eating venison and that's what we live off of like 99% of the time. So, um, I don't really know with those, but with bucks, it's like, I, I really, I scout so much. Um, like I know you do like so many, you know, so many of us and in, in kind of this circle, like we, we scout so, so much. And I truly believe that is the secret to success, especially when you're on public land that I, I'm not going to be hunting areas where they're, I, I'm going to be hunting areas where I know that they're there or the strong likelihood of the possibility are they're there or at some point in the season, whether they're there or not, or whether they've been killed or not, there's good, de- there's a good buck or bucks on this property. So I stick to that where it's a good representation of that, of whatever that property could yield. And then I have that mentality. But I think again, what the, what the public land education has really instilled in me is like, it's not, you know, I think there's something to be said for the fact during the rut of like, okay, you've got your, like, like we talk about like rut circuits for bucks, right. Where they've got like this circuit of, of, of like, cruising that they'll do or chase or scouting does and, and locking does down breeding does etc but like i think there's somebody said for a hunter to have that as well where he's got like okay i'm gonna have these in this region or this section of this property i've got my you know however many four or five and i'm gonna just rotate around for the first week or two of november and i'm gonna more than likely i'm gonna get an opportunity right like there's i think there's something to be said for that I'm not quite wired that way. Like I, and, that, and hunting public land has instilled this in me and it's just worked for me. Mobility is best. If it's, again, I might throw a couple of sits, maybe a couple of days at a, at a, at a spot. Um, but if it's not happening, then I'm, I'm moving. I'm just, I just got to keep going and finding the freshest stuff I possibly can. And I've been doing that. Um, so that is kind of my methodology is maintain the thought process on, a good representation of the of a good representation of that area and be as mobile as I can to find that good representation of that area for that buck. And, and I do, I do run some trail cameras on, on public and, and have some, you know, kind of, I don't know if you can call it, you know, have tabs on them, but like, I, I've got a little bit of, okay, this, this buck has been, you know, fairly consistent in this area and this, you know, you, I might run into them here or whatever, but, and then obviously that that's kind of without hunting pressure, right? That's the, that's always the, <laughs> the gold, that's always the, the golden rule as far as determining what you're going to do. But, um, so that, that's kind of, that's kind of my mentality and, and I'm not worried. I think the other thing about that, about the standard thing, right. Is like what, how I'm going to lower or keep standards is, um, it's it's more about the experience the chase the hunt things like that than just like shooting the absolute biggest thing for me 
and it's a lot about meat, man. Like I said, we, we, we really rely on venison. I love shooting does and eating them. So I'm not worried about eating a buck tag because I'm going to have doe. I'm going to shoot does and I'm going to have that too. So yep. a good representation area for a buck is, is kind of my, is always, it's my pretty steadfast rule for myself. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. So let's say you go out there in Illinois and you're like, I should be able to find one and you can't. Like it's just kicking your ass. It's eight, 10, 12 sits in a row, whatever. Do you ever, you know, barring having some kind of sweet tag, like an Iowa tag in your pocket, do you ever just like shake it up and go hunt someplace totally new? Just go try something different and just, cause I, I find myself like, some of the worst slumps I've had have been when I really focus on the big woods, like in Wisconsin yeah. and, but I, I like it 
I, I like the challenge of it, but I also like it because it's like, you know, you're not going to go there and target 160s. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's not like, it's sure. not like a slump in Iowa, you know? So you're like, to, to have lower standards or to just to be like, I mean, one of the, one of the, like, the, the slumps that I like sticks with me so bad was, I think it was like 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. I, I was spending a lot of time over there in Northern Wisconsin. And I was like, I got a doe tag and I got a buck tag. I want to kill a doe and I want to kill a buck. And yeah. I could not get a deer to stick around in shooting range, does, bucks, anything. And it took me like three weeks. And I didn't hunt every day because I don't, you know, I don't live there, but like three weeks of getting my ass handed to me by just mature does in the, in the big woods before I finally shot one. And I like, you know, I've, I've had all kinds of streaky hunting in my life, but killing that one doe on public land there when I had just been getting smoked for three weeks was like such a boost for me. Like, and, you know, and it, we talk about this, we kind of like, you know, oh, go kill does, like go shoot them on a food plot or go do whatever. And I'm like, okay, like you're, you're talking about a deer that might be as mature as any buck you'd ever pick your bow up for. Right. And you're not, you don't give them any credit whatsoever. And then you go into a situation like that. And it's so like easy in the industry to sort of gloss over that fact and just be like, oh, just go fill the freezer. Just, you know, like it's hard for you to go kill a two and a half year old buck. I'm like, well, where are you hunting? Right. <laughs> you know, like you, yeah. you got to factor that into like, if you're in a slump, like how hard should it be versus like, how hard is it? Yeah. And, and you told, I, yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think when I said, you know, when I say things like good representation of that area, I mean, it can, that can vary even depending on, a given county or a region of a state that you're in. I mean, it might be based on what even public track you're on and how difficult, you know, the opportunities are that, that, that are there. I mean, you, yeah, you've got to be able to adjust and, and shoot whatever's going to make you happy. And, and I think the big thing for me is like, even if I just like this year has been super, super challenging just to find and see them, um, you know, out, like I said, outside of Iowa, um, where I just keep moving. I mean, that's, that's the big thing is I, I just, I, cause I don't know what else to do. I guess at the end of the day is like, I just, I got to keep the faith that I'm going to find them ex- eventually. And either the season's going to end, I'm going to run out of time or I'll catch up to them. And yep. that's, so I just, I just, that's, I mean, it's without oversimplifying it. That's kind of how I approach it mentally. Yeah. But that's, I mean, there's a good lesson there, right? Because you've, you've, and I talk about this with Zach Farinbo a lot. Like Zach loves to just run them down on the ground. Like that's his yep. thing and he's really good at it and he found his lane and that's like, he, he's just his style. And, you know, a guy like you, a guy like Andy's like scout, 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 get mobile, get on yeah. him, get on the fresh sign. And I was, I was muzzleloader hunting with a buddy of mine in, in Southeastern Minnesota a little bit ago. And we were sitting there and had uh, a busted up. I think he was probably a two year old. He was all busted up and he was, he was walking out into this field and then there was a bigger buck probably like a 100, 110, whatever. I was going to shoot either one of them if they got within range. And they would both walk down into this draw in this cornfield and we were running out of light. And I looked at him, I'm like, should I belly crawl out here and see, you know, because if, if I got to the edge, I'm like, they're going to be within range and there's going to be an opportunity. So whichever one is there. And I like, he's like, yeah, make something happen. And in my head, I'm like, you always screw these up like (laughs) you've (laughs) you've lost sight of them even though i'm sitting there with a scoped gun like i haven't killed a deer with a gun in seven eight years you know like yeah as i'm crawling across that chisel plow cornfield and i've lost sight of both of these deer i'm like focused on the the smaller buck because he was the second one to go in so i'm like i know better where he is and i'm crawling up there and you know it's that situation where you're like 
they, I should be able to see them. It's a chisel plow cornfield and I can't freaking see them. And you crawl a little and peek more. And then I looked over and that bigger buck standing there like 80 yards away looking at me because he swung around and blew out of there. And, I, you know, it was super fun. But I told my buddy on the way back, I'm like, my lane is just figure out where deer like to walk and wait for them. Because when I do this shit, like, I, you know, you know how it is. Like, sometimes you kill oh, yeah. them sneaking up on them and, you know, you go out and spot and stock, whatever. But for the most part, when you when you get enough years behind you in the rearview mirror, you're like, I know what I have to do to break this slump. Like, I know what I have to do to fill this tag. And, man, it's it's fun to kind of try the new stuff. But... When you have things like that, you're just like, I was like, just so reminded of so many times I've tried something like that and it just never works. I've, I've found myself as time has gone on more and more and especially hunting more and more public land it, with very, with variations of pressure, um, hunting from the ground more, I'm doing it a lot more, but I totally agree with the, with the stock thing. Um, I just, it's patience for me, man. I really struggle ha- being patient enough. Um, and I, I just, I think it's a combination of, uh, wanting to make it happen really bad, not being, um, okay with the fact that if it doesn't happen or, or being okay with myself, if I screw it up, uh, I think there, there's variations of that and just not doing, not having, not having enough experience doing it on enough. Right. So, uh, there's been times where I've slipped in on bucks, you know, where they're locked down with a doe or something that's, you know, varying circumstances that just have them distracted. But like in terms of like buck, you know, just feeding or like in terms of them just cruising and trying to cut them off and get in front of them or do whatever. I I'm right there with you, man. I have struggled great. It is not, it has not gone well. Like anytime. I mean, it's just like, Holy cow. And, um, I respect it greatly. I think it's, I think it's an incredible skill and and it's something that I, I think, I wish I was better at and, and would like to eventually maybe get better at, but like, I'm with you, like I'm perfectly content hunting off the ground, being in the right spot in the right situation. But it's, it's kind of more of like a, how can I identify or find my best ambush point to get to cut them off, get in front of the intercept and whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I, the whole, the whole stocking in on them is uh, it's, it's a different thing, man. Different thing. I, I honestly think, impatience probably saves more bucks than anything. I mean, it it is so, and this is, you know, this is why, kind of why I wanted to do this, this episode with you is, you know, you start out the season, you got X amount of tags, whether you got one at home or 15 on the road or whatever. And you're like, this is my goal here. This is my goal there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then the real world hits and you go, okay, I have to, I kind of have to adapt to this stuff and start figuring it out. But when you start getting in that desperation mode, that's when you're like, I'm not going to do what I'm great at or I'm getting good at. And I'm going to go try this new thing. And you start blowing deer out and it starts to spiral. And you just like, for me, I feel like I I, I get like really streaky. If I'm on a bad streak, like I make shitty decisions and it just gets worse. And I literally have to like, start over somehow you know and you know how it is like sometimes you go on a tear and it's like you're just in the zone and you knock out like three states in a row and you're like this i'm i'm king of the world and it's always gonna level off i mean i know uh you're a huge baseball fan right yep did you watch the uh the nolan ryan documentary on netflix i did Did, very very how badass is that right so good i mean i you know I grew up loving baseball and, you know, paying attention to it and whatever. But I, I had no concept of how dominant he was. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. It's any, anybody, even if you're not really interested in sports, it's, it's, 
pretty freaking incredible. But you watch Nolan Ryan's career and, you know, all time most strikeouts out of any pitcher ever. I mean, like his stats, like his records are freaking bananas. Yep. And, you know, he starts out and he's getting his ass handed to him and he's a reliever the first couple of years. And then he goes through these stages where he's like so unbelievably dominant that the best hitters of the time can't can't touch him. And then he had times where he was getting shelled and people are like, Nolan Ryan's past his prime. Like it's over. And then he'd come back and figure something out. And I look at that and I go, geez, if you're out there and you've been whitetail hunting five years or 10 years, you know, or, you know, a lot of people who really hit a slump are at that stage where they go, I kind of got the little bucks and the does figured out, but I want that Pope and young buck and they cannot make it happen. Like you got to think about the most talented professional athletes in the world at their craft that they've devoted everything to and they get paid crazy money for have year, like seasons where they suck. Like that's crazy. <laughs> it's the reality of it. And I think part of it too is just maintaining the men like that that mentality that of positivity. It's not getting not, you know, not second guessing what you know the foundational like rules of whatever whatever it is you're talking bow hunting deer hunting baseball whatever it might be but just maintaining that positive outlook and mentality that i know what i'm doing i know i need to make some adjustments but i need to stay the course and just stay consistently and, and stay at it you know and, and not give up and, and, I, and i think it's all about that balance point right where i'm with i'm like you where you go into these slumps or you go into these hard it's really easy for me to push really hard in moments like that where it's like i'm just gonna i'm gonna force this situation into a positive outcome and that just it, it rarely ever happens because then what happens is, you know, you're, 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 you're finally hanging this setup and it's like, okay, I did this, I'm not even getting where I want to be. And I just dropped a climbing stick and I just clanked off the other one and you get up and you finally get it. You got, you get your saddle platform hung or your stand hung or whatever. And you're just like this. And it's the wind switches like, you know, with an hour left and you're like, okay, this is, just, this is just perfect. This seat, you know, and then all of a sudden you look up and the deer's coming in and he walks to 20 yards and you shoot him. Like that's, I mean, that's how it happens a lot of times. And it's like, why do I do this to myself where I'm just so mentally just, cr just gr grinding and grinding almost to the point of like, I mean, like you said earlier of making it not fun and over forcing it instead of just like, and, and again, I think it's just riding the wave because you can't just, you can't just totally like, in my opinion, you can't just totally sit back and just, Oh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. No, I mean, you have to buckle down in the right times and really, and really be serious and stay focused but you can't just tour the road where you're trying to like steer the ship so intensely that you just blow up in your, you know, you're just, you're hurting yourself. And I definitely, I consistently every year get to a point where I do that. Where I just, <laughs> I just, I, over, I end up hurting myself and just totally get like, you know, way intense and everything. And a lot of times it's, you know, my wife or a couple of buddies or whatever. And they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, stop. Like, you're just, you're, you're not fun to be around. You're not fun to talk to about this thing. <laughs> and, like, and it's like, you just kind of got to have that gut check or that, that reality check of like, man, you know what you're doing. Just stay the course and kind of, kind of ride the wave. But I, I think back to what you're saying about like Nolan Ryan and just all of that. I, I think so much of that comes back to perspective and mental state of just being confident in your ability. Yes. But also just staying super positive and not letting, the moments or the mishaps or anything like that be bigger than the overall like mission and goal at hand of like what you're actually doing out there. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, do you ever just take some time off? I mean, do you ever, cause 
when I get to that stage where nobody wants to be around me, which I, I hit it just about every deer season too. I'm in it right yeah. now. Bad, <laughs> yeah. bad. Uh, do you ever just take time off and do something else? Yeah. Um, yes and no. Uh, that's usually when I will, I don't know, kind of, kind of, I should say. So when I get into those moments and those attitudes like that, I'll, a lot of times I'll go to a spot, um, either I haven't scouted very much, uh, I haven't hunted very much, or maybe I haven't even like boots on the ground scouted or been to physically at all. And I'll just go and just learn something new. I'll just like, I, I have no idea what's here. I don't, I've no experiences here. I have nothing I can leave. I'm just going to try and make like, take my mind off of the fact of actually like killing a deer. And I want to go see if I can find something new and do that. And it's like with no pressure, right? It's like, I've never, I've never been to this you know piece of public or I've never been over here. I just want to go and scout and find sign and try to like, even, even if it's something like I've done it a couple of times in the past. Um, and maybe actually I'm, we're talking about this. I'm thinking maybe I should need to be doing this now. Like, right. Maybe I need, maybe I want to hang this up and go, go, go scout something else. But, um, is, is even filing something away for future seasons. Like it might be like, and now we're kind of past the rut. Right. So it's like, you kind of look and maybe I'm finding a bunch of rut sign where there's just this whole area is torn up with rubs and maybe even there's some scrapes and stuff like that. And, and there's, you know, it looks like maybe there's doe bedding up here or whatever it might be. And I'm like, Holy cow, I need to like log this away for next year or something. I mean, I, I've found distracting myself from the fact that I haven't filled a tag or I haven't killed a buck or whatever. Um, this year by doing stuff like that, where it's still, I feel like it's still benefiting or valuable to my hunting. Um, I'm still like spending quality time doing something productive, but maybe it's, maybe it is, like you said, there's in moment in situations like that, at least for me personally, I don't feel any pressure in that moment. I'm just trying to gather information, have fun out there doing it. And you know, it's, it's not really any time spent, you know, really focused on the intensity of filling a tag. Yeah. I think I, you know, for me, I, I'm lucky because I have some other stuff I like to do in the woods. You know, I do a lot of pheasant hunting and whatever else, you know, and I I find a similar kind of like a little bit of a release on the pressure valve to just be like, I'm not going to go deer hunting this weekend. I'm going to go pheasant hunting. And yeah. you always find something out there that's interesting or you just like, it just sort of takes the edge off a little bit. And, you know, there's something we don't really talk about in the hunting industry, hardly ever. We always kind of paint this rosy picture of this stuff, right? Like, oh, it's the best thing ever. And it's so fun. I can't wait. I live for it and blah, blah, blah. Except when you're actually hunting a lot, a lot of it sucks. A lot yeah. of it's really stressful. And a lot of it's just not that much fun sometimes. And, you know, you're talking about dropping stuff out of a tree and just like having a bad attitude or whatever. When we were filming one week in November this year, I started the first couple of days on public land in Southwestern Minnesota and it was rough. And we had one sit where we went in and, you know, you've got a cameraman with you and we were dropping, like, I got up into the tree. I dropped my grunt tube. I dropped my phone. So I went back down and got him. As I'm down there, the GoPro lands on my head that he dropped. So I picked that up. I go back up there. I drop my grunt tube down again. I'm like, I'm not going to need it anyway. Cause I'm not going to see a freaking buck. And then he's like talking and we're in this little tree. Cause there aren't that many trees there. And he like makes this gesture and knocks my arrow off my rest onto the ground. Oh. And it's just pure yard sale down there. And I'm just like, and that, that was the sit where we had, I had scouted this river bottom spot and it looked freaking banging. In fact, I pheasant hunted it recently and jumped two good bucks out of there. So I know I was like, I know I was in the neighborhood. I just didn't have the right spot or time or whatever, but we'd walked in there 
And two days before I've been there, there's one banging trail that follows the river edge, you know, kind of parallels it and cuts the the bends off, you know, just like dreamy rut stuff. You got the the water behind you. So the wind's perfect, all that stuff. Funnel them down. Yeah, yeah, dude. It just like my favorite, like on paper, that's like my river bottom stuff like that. I love it. But we get in there and I like walk up to the tree to start hanging our set. And I look over and there's a dead buck laying on the trail, you know, and you're just like, (laughs) Somebody gut shot it between, you know, the two days before when I had scouted it. Now it was super fresh and it's laying dead in the middle of the trail we're hunting. And you're just like, what are the freaking odds? And, you know, then then we climb up and I drop everything I own onto the ground and my cameraman drops all of his shit. You're just like, sometimes, you know, in that situation, we can't just bow out and go chase pheasants, although I wanted to. But sometimes you're just like you got some bad mojo, man. And you just gotta, you gotta back out and do something else. Yeah. Well, plus, and you're such a dog freak and I feel like you're now you're, you're entering a point where you're deer hunting just to get you to pheasant season. And then you can pheasant hunt. (laughs) You know what? I'll tell you what. So, cause you, you mentioned this early when you said you're not wired to just like, you got to find new stuff and you got to hunt new ground. I'm I'm the same way. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm jealous of people who like can have one spot and just like, that's their season there. Like, you know, target box or whatever. Like I just can't, it doesn't do anything for me. Uh-huh. And I, I figured this out. I, I think I got lucky when I was like in college and I was fishing a bunch of tournaments and I burned myself to the ground. I was like, I hate fishing now too far. I went too far yeah. and I needed something else. So then I was like, I got a freaking bow hunt. Like I got to get into a tree and decompress because I'm sick of, you know, driving all over and hauling the boat and all that BS. And what it really taught me was like, I, if I go too hard in the paint with anything and that's like my nature, I need the backup stuff. And so the dog thing, that's just like, for me, that's just like pure fun. Like I just, you know, there's not the trophy BS and there's not like this, this stuff that we have going on with the whitetail world. And it's like, you just got to find it like, if, if, if you're hitting a spot with your deer hunting where you're like, I don't like this right now, like I don't want to do it. I want to do something else, man. You probably need some kind of backup outlet somewhere. So, so you're telling me you don't, you don't measure your pheasant spurs and, and, and the wingspan and compare them to your buddies or how you shoot bigger pheasants. No, I mean, and it, you know, <laughs> we're such idiots, right? Like I get, I think one of the worst things that happened to us is this trophy hunting craze. I, I just look at it. I'm like, there's so much bad that comes with it, but it's like, it's a dumb thing to bitch about a, cause I've been a part of it for a long time. So it makes me a huge hypocrite, but B it's not going away. Like it's just no. going to be a part of us no matter what. And so like the pheasant thing, yeah, there's no trophy pheasants, but if you're out there hunting with three of your buddies and you kill more birds than they do, like yeah. you're still going to talk shit at the end of the night, you know? And I was yeah. like, I sometimes fantasize about a world where deer just don't have antlers, where all we can hunt are just antlerless deer. They all are the same, but we'd still have like heaviest doe contests. And you know what I mean? Like we would never get away from like, there would always be trophies in there somehow. I know. Cause I've thought about the same. So like, I've thought, dude, I've had this thought so many times. So like exactly what we're talking about, like in a tree thinking, and it's just like, what if, right. And I'm like sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, what if, what if like bucks were actually doe like like had the like this the, the maybe like the um what it like the 
the societal impact like implications of like what bucks are what if they what if does and bucks were flip-flopped right so it's like what if does all of a sudden like oh my gosh she's got the longest ears and like <laughs> and then like i'm going through this thing of like what if does like had that impact that bucks have like in our in our industry but and then i found myself thinking exactly what you just said it's like wait a second you just totally like ruined it because you're already thinking of ways Yep. to prioritize one doe over another doe. And it's like, no, man, like that's not, not, I mean, it, it is, man. It is such a, I hate it. And dude, I don't know. I mean, the social media thing, dude, it's, I know it's part of what we do and we have to do it for our jobs. And, and it's, and there's definitely positives to it and like ways to connect and interact as a community. But I really hate social media. <laughs> uh, you know, I do too, uh, so much, but it's not like, you know, I, I would guess a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably didn't like they probably weren't like at the age where they were like hardcore white tail hunters reading magazines 15 years ago, you know, 20 yeah. years ago. And I remember the same shit, you know, when I was an oh, editor yeah, at exactly. Peterson's Bow Hunting, and even yeah. before that, when like real tree, you know, VHS and DVDs were coming, like it was it was the same stuff, it was just a different medium. And now it, it's it's weird now because it's like we're so exposed to it. We're so addicted to our phones. And so we're like, we're like not even like consciously checking into this stuff and exposing ourselves to this stuff that we don't really care about and actually pisses us off, which is a whole part of the plan to get us to look at it more. And it's just, it's rough, man. And I, I honestly yeah. think, you know, I, I, you know, talk about sitting in your tree stand fantasizing. I had, when I was fat or when I was a uh, muzzleloader hunting earlier this year, I was like, man, what would be really cool is if every trophy photo, so, you know, whoever you are, you're posing with that whitetail buck or that big bull elk. If there was like a, a breakdown on what it cost. Cause you know, Oh my gosh. Because yes. I, I see this, I saw this post from this, this hunt that happened out on the desert in Utah for elk. And oh, man. I, you know yeah. how it is. I know people that's, uh, yeah. that's Rogan's place. That's, you know, yep. cam hunts there, whatever. And I don't know what they cost now, but a few years ago, that was an $18,000 just tag. I'm sure it's more now. It's a little and, more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's 20 to 25,000 bucks. And yeah. you, you know how this is. Cause you're kind of an insider. Like I am where you see this stuff and you know, and you go, man, I, and I don't want to knock that. Like I, if people want to go do that, whatever, I don't give a shit. Yeah, sure. But if it would change how everyone felt, if you were like, you know, here's a picture of this great buck I killed. Here's my lease is $10,000 a year. And I spent this and this and this, and it was like a breakdown. I think a lot of people would look at this over and over and go, okay, there's like a really common theme with most of these big, big animals I'm seeing. And there's a lot of money invested in them, a lot yeah. of money. And so yeah. it would, I think it would kind of level us off a little bit. And you'd go like, you know, I don't, I don't get jealous of Jeff Bezos, you know, buying 400 foot yachts. Like that's such a different world from where I live in. Like it doesn't affect me. I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to get a red ass about a guy who starts a company like that and gets $180 billion and starts a space company. Like I don't give a shit, right. and, but like on a smaller scale, you look at some of the money involved in some of this stuff. And it's like, it's like, it's not that level. It's not Amazon owner level, but it's like, so far beyond what most people I think probably realize. And, you know, you look, especially some of the Western stuff, you're just like, that's a, you know, that elk has a $25,000 price on his head. Like if you knew that you wouldn't be like, 
you'd be like, okay, this is a different world from me. Well, and I even think from a self-reflection standpoint, like if you actually, you know, cause I hate seeing it, man. Like it's like, uh, and we all see it all the time too. And I, and I really get on my buddy, like personal friends. I really get on their case if they do this. Cause I, I just, it really rubs me the wrong way. And it was like, kind of goes back to what I said earlier about the Iowa buck I shot where I was kind of like, who the heck do you think you are? You know, I was like yelling at myself and it was like, it's like when, you know, the, 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 the typical prototypical, like trophy photo post goes up on social media and it always starts with, well, he's not the biggest buck in the woods or, Oh, I know he's not going to score a lot or what? Like, I'm like, dude, no, to heck with that, man. It's like, if you pulled the trigger on that thing, be happy, be proud, be on it. You made a successful hunt. You had it. You made a successful shot recovery. You made it happen. You filled the free, like those are the positives so far outweigh anything that somebody else, somebody else who has no idea or some keyboard warrior that has an opinion about what your gear scored or how old it was. Like, it just, it just, it drives me absolutely insane. And I think what you're talking about there would actually, if you, if, if somebody actually sat down and like, okay, how much do I have invested in this deer? And then they listed out the cost. I think the pride in that deer all of a sudden would go way up where they're like, Oh, Holy cow that, you know, I hope my wife never sees this, but wow, like this is, you know, this is like a whole, you know, it's like, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars that you've got banked into this thing. And it's like, all of a sudden it's going to matter a lot more to you. So I, I think I, I love that. I don't know if we need to start our own social media platform where I'll let you run that. I'll, I'll let you figure that out. Yeah. I can tell you there may be a lot of ways my career goes. It's not going to be starting a social media channel. No, not going that way. Yeah. Nope. That's not going to happen. It'll go the other way if anything. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's important to just kind of look at this stuff and be honest about this stuff. And I think it's, I think it's important to recognize that like, that's a component of what we have going on. And it, it kind of feeds into the theme of this where it's like, you know, if you feel like you're out there getting your ass kicked and everybody else isn't, you're wrong. Like you're just, oh, you're yeah. just wrong. I mean, and you, you and I well know people who are like, you know, they get it done. Like some of the, some of the hunters I respect the most out of anyone still have just clunker seasons. Yeah. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. 
book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. I wanted to ask you this earlier, but I forgot, but I'm going to ask you now. I think so many people, they hit a real slump at some point in the kind of the beginning of their whitetail career somewhere. You know, it might be the first deer or a lot of times it's that real big step up from okay bucks to something they're like, I want to show this off. Like, did you did you hit those in stages when you started out? Or did you have one where you're like, I cannot bust through this one. I just can't <laughs> oh, do it. Oh, dude. Did, did I? Did I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I bow hunted for five years before I killed a deer with a bow. So yeah. started in Michigan. You could legally start archery hunting when you were 12. And I was, I think it was, I guess, six, I was 16 when I shot my first buck with a bow. So, I mean, missed, and I was not picky. Like it was, you know, I grew up, I grew up, of, I grew up with like four legs, brown hair and a white tail, let her fly. You know, yep. that's like, that's kind of where I grew up in. So, I mean, I, uh, no man land back, I backstrapped, I don't know. I think two bucks didn't find him completely, you know, whiffed, missed. I can't even tell you how many does, um, where I was just, I could not control the emotion. Like I was so amped up on every single thing before it finally happened. And I never will forget it. It was a doe coming in at last light. And finally I'm saying, I'm like, you have, like, you have to kill this thing. Like you can't let this go on forever. Right. And, and I spined her and she was like Ugh. getting trying you know, it was just a nightmare and ended up putting the finishing shot. So like, yeah, I mean, every, and, and thankfully it got significantly better after that. But, um, you know, you learn those, the, you know, you learn those, those, those things to calm yourself down. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was just like anybody else. I mean, I was absolutely enamored just consuming as much hunting content as I possibly could. The magazines, the VHSs, the, DV, the DVDs, everything like that from a very early age. And I say these people like shooting these just, you know, unbelievable bucks and like just and, and consistently killing these deer. And I just couldn't figure out why I couldn't hit that. And it was eventually what it, it kind of came to my, came to me after I finally like, okay, I killed my first one. It's like, you just can't, you can't let the moment be bigger than, than you or that, that, you know, that situation, you've got to control yourself within that situation to be able to effectively can execute a shot. And yeah. So talk about a slump yeah i mean <laughs> i was a i was in my i could drive before i actually finally killed something with a bow 
<laughs> Dude, I, I'm right there with you. I started out at 12 too. Minnesota's minimum age was 12. And I killed a my first year, which was a button buck, uh, like four days before the season ended when I was 15. So I essentially had four full seasons of hunting in before I killed a buck fawn that was the unluckiest deer in the woods. I <laughs> I sprayed and prayed at that buck because he busted me drawn on him and he was trotting through and I just shot and I shot him through the liver and it was like, I will never forget that deer. You know, I couldn't hear him coming because there was a bunch of fresh snow on the ground. And I looked down and he was right below me and I was like, holy shit, there's a deer here. And I drew (laughs) and he busted me. And I remember thinking like every time, like every freaking time you draw, they see you, but you know, he was dumb. And it just, when that arrow went through him and he ran off and I could see blood in the snow, I was like, oh my God, like, I think I'm actually going to get one. And you know, I had done, so that year was the, was the first full year I got permission to hunt this farm that I still hunt to this day. And when I walked into that farm, like seeing a buck for me at that time was like, whoa, like this is, yeah, oh I, yeah, holy shit. Sure. And I walked into that, I walked in on this hay field. I'm like, I'm going to go carry a stand in. Cause that's all I did. I had one stand, carry it in, put it up, take it down, put it up, take it yeah. down. <laughs> and I walked in there and I jumped a little year and a half old buck. And I remember like, I am on a spot now. Like I am, I am on a farm that has these deer and I started hunting that place every night. My mom would drive me out there and drop me off. And I'd go, I'd, I'd walk into a spot. This looks good. I'd hang a stand and I would hunt it till I burned it right to the freaking ground. (laughs) And I keep going through the woods and I can't, I can't remember exactly, but I think I missed like 11 deer that season. Oh yeah. I had, I remember I had a week where I missed three and it was all, it was all, all little bucks. It was all like, you know, spikes, forkies, basket six, whatever. And I was just like, I'd call my dad because my dad works second shift at IBM. And he'd be like, how'd tonight go? And I'd be like, (laughs) missed another forky, (laughs) shot at him three times. And like, I just remember my dad being like, like, I guess just keep going out there. <laughs> like Try he was, again. he was out of advice. Like I, I'm, I'm sure he was like, I think I got a paternity test this kid. Cause this kid's a oh, dipshit. Man. He can't do it. And I mean, so when you talk about that, you know, it takes you, it took you roughly the same amount of time. You're talking full seasons of hunting multiple oh, yeah. and not killing a deer. And I don't know about you, but when I, it took me, I was 18 when I killed my first buck. And then I killed one every year, pro- mm-hmm. actually probably every year since then. I don't think I've had a year where I didn't, but you know, I got to that point where I was like, okay, this, the basket racks are like, eventually throughout the season, one of those dudes is going to die. And when I, when I started killing some two and a half year olds and I'm like, I'm, you know what, I'm, it's time to get some chest hair and like, go, go be a real man out there. That was when the real big second slump of my life hit where I was like, I was not ready for it. Like, I'm like, I need to kill something that's three and a half year old, you know, like you're just whatever, whatever, you know, that on up. And I was right back to that stage where I'm like, I can't hit them right. Can't hit them at all. I get an opportunity. I fall apart. And it's, so this stuff is like, you don't, you don't get over it. Like, I mean, you, you, you get over it to some extent, but there's situations like you lose the farm and you got to start over or you go try that public land hunt. You put yourself in a different situation or you move, you know, to the UP from Southern Michigan. And now you're like, 
This ain't the same world I grew up in. And now you have to start over and that pressure comes in and that stress and man, that slump is on you before you know it. And it sucks. Yeah, I think it's just, again, perspective and mentality here. Cause I, I truly, I agree with you hundred percent. I truly believe everybody, if they're being honest with themselves and others is going to go through that, regardless of what their goals are, regardless of where they're hunting, regardless of what's happening, they're going to find that slump. They're going to hit that. It's just, it's just going to happen if you do it long enough. And, and that's where it's like, I, I think if, if people can't understand that or if they're being judgmental or, or ridiculing somebody because they haven't shot a buck yet or they haven't filled a tag this year or whatever, especially when they're kind of in the public view of the, of the industry of like, you know, they're, they're creating some type of content or whatever. And it's like, you know, they get accustomed to this, this consistency. It's like if, if they can't understand or respect the slump, if you will, they, they just haven't been doing it long enough or they're just, they're just being, a jerk on, 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 on social media. It's like, it's like, it's just, I mean, cause it's going to happen to them if it, ha- or, or if they're not even experiencing it right now. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just the reality of it. It's just something that we have to face. I think it's an incredibly learn a good learning tool for us. I mean, I know that I, as much fun as the great years are where you're filling tags every time you go and you know, you, you, you hunt 10 days and you fill three or four tags and it's like unbelievable as fun and wonderful as that is, I learn way more from deer, you know, the habitat, how deer are using the terrain, finding new spots, um, what deer are doing within a certain, you know, based on certain conditions or whatever from those hard slump years where it's just a constant grind and battle. I learned way more from those years than I do from the years where I fill a bunch of tags. That doesn't mean I don't want the years <laughs> where I fill a bunch of tags. I'm not saying that, but uh, reflecting back on it and even looking on it, just trying to keep that positive mindset where it's like, Hey, this isn't all for nothing here. Where yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sharpening this sharpening the, the iron, right? I'm, I'm trying, I'm making myself better because I'm struggling through this. And there, there's something you said for that. Yeah. And I, I think another way to do this too, if you if you find yourself out there, especially, you know, maybe not if you're a beginner, but if you're, if you're at one of those stages where you're like, I'm, I need to level up on this somehow I'm, you know, this caliber buck or whatever I want, five does in the freezer at the end of the year instead of one, I and you hit, you know, like you hit the wall with it. One of the things that I've, I found totally by accident that really helps me sort of contextualize those moments is like taking my daughters out or taking, like I take a lot of kids out or newbies turkey hunting. Yeah. And man, you take it for granted what you know. Like when you when you walk out into the woods and you're scouting, you have a hell of a lot to draw on. And you go, okay, I see this. I've been here. I've done this. Like, I kind of, you know, like I've been here, done this. Like, I know, I know how to get yeah. myself through this. But when you have to think about bringing somebody else through it, and it, like, man, it for me personally, it forces me to like, I can't. There's no like errors in my setup. Like, where do you put this blind? How do you brush it yeah. in? Like, how the, how's the sun going to come in? Where's it going to approach? Or, you know, taking my daughter's deer hunting. Like, man, I can't have a squeaky chair. I can't have, I can't have mistakes because we're going to make mistakes. So like if I allow something sloppy or if I, if I'm like, this is good enough, there's no way it's going to bite us in the ass. And sometimes for me, just taking somebody else who doesn't know what they're doing is like, it's, it kind of just like recalibrates me and I go, okay, like this is. I, I needed to see this and to go through this and like understand I don't have it this bad. This pity party that I've been having because I can't kill big bucks. Time <laughs> exactly. to freaking time to shut it down and move on, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it teaches me. Like I always like doing that from that perspective too, whether it be turkey hunting or even deer hunting. What it teaches me about public a lot is like whether I'm taking a, a youth or even a, even a buddy that doesn't hunt public a lot or hasn't like gone like doesn't like doesn't use scouting as a as a major foundation of their hunting style. And, 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 and all of a sudden like that question why comes up, right. Where it's like, Hey, why, like, why are you looking at this? Or why did you see this away? Why did we, there was this great scraper rub and we kind of just walked right by it. Like, why did that happen? Like, and I'm like, cause I take it like you, it's like, you kind of bet you just like you, you're either filing it away like subconsciously or like you kind of process it subconsciously and just kind of go right on by it. And it's actually helped me kind of refrain of like, okay, these are important things and they are, they do matter in certain situations and explaining it to somebody else or, um, you know, and even it's caused me to even sharpen up on things that I, maybe I'll glaze over or, or it might even lead to something really important or pivotal in a given spot that otherwise I just kind of glazed over. And yeah, it, it, having that reset moment where you're, you're really paying attention to every detail and not missing that small stuff. Again, I've, I've, I've gone through those similar experiences and it, it turned in very valuable when you're, you're talking about, looking at through the eyes of somebody else that maybe doesn't do it every day. Yep. And I, I think, I think the important lesson there, you know, if you're, if you're on just a cold streak out there is there are just like so many different ways to address this. And, you know, the industry sort of, it does, it does a really good job of elevating people who sell that Terminator mindset right? Oh, like yeah. this is all I do. This is all I care about. This is all I think about white tails 24 seven. I got divorced over it, blah, blah, blah. And you know, there are people, you, you and I both know people who are actually like that. They're pretty freaking rare. Oh, and yeah. usually they're assholes in my opinion, yeah. <laughs> uh, just personally, they kind of seem to yeah. be, but it, it, that's not the way for most people to do this and enjoy it. Like if you're, if you're out there and you're struggling a little bit, finding a way to have more fun in the woods is way better than just being like, I have to be so, you know, dialed in. And so like, I got to be scouting constantly every day and I got to be running 5,000 trail cameras. I gotta be doing this. Like I, that might be the answer for like a very, very small percentage of hunters out there. But I think for most people, it's actually like that would hurt them a lot. Like this image that we sell to them. Man, you, you, you said it a million times and I totally agree with you. I've always agreed with this mindset no one cares what you shoot at the end of the day. No one, no one cares. So do you want to be that guy? Do you want to be that guy with that mentality of like, Oh, you know, I just, I don't, I don't have time for a girlfriend or a wife and I don't have time for kids. Cause I'm out there. Cause all that's going to end up doing is you're going to be 80 years old in a dusty house with big deer mounts around you, which, okay, cool. But you're by yourself. And like, that's it. Like, is that, is that really what you want to like your hunting legacy, whatever that might be to be? I mean, or is it like, you know, deer camp with buddies and learning and, and spending time out there and doing, like you said, it's like going on a pheasant hunt, going on a deer hunt, turkey hunt. And I'm just like, you're just out there having a great time and filling your freezer and having fun. Like, I mean, it's, and again, it, everybody can hunt their own hunt and, and have their own definition of what success is in the, in, in the, in the deer woods. But I, I don't know, man, I just have never understood. Like, I just, I don't know the, the macho-ness of that, of like, I just got to kill the biggest and best and, 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 and everything be damned where I'm just, you know, I'll throw everything else to the wayside and lose my job and, you know, get divorced. And, I was, and I'm just like, at the end of the day, like, what do you, what do you say? Like rabbits with antlers. That's what we're out there chasing, man. Yeah. Like, we're not curing childhood <laughs> cancer here. Yeah, exactly. no. I, I got into uh, the, the couple that owns the motel I stay at when I hunt in Southwestern Wisconsin sometimes. Her husband is a duck guide down there on the Mississippi River, 
And when I was down there muzzleloader hunting, they were kind of wrapping up. It was his last couple hunts, whatever. And I was talking to the wife and she was telling me how they had had some people in. I don't, I thought she said they came up from Texas or somewhere. They keep traveled somewhere. And she said when they were checking into the motel, they were talking about how they always do guided hunts for ducks and they always know more than the guides. And she was like, they were like, you know, we, we know how to do this. We know how to decoy and call better. And I was like, I was like, well, A, if that was true, you wouldn't be hiring guides everywhere. Why are you going on a guided hunt? (laughs) And B, you're, you're like puffing your chest out because you're murdering birds. Like, are we, are we really like that? into it that we have to like elevate you know what i mean and i and i get it like it's a lifestyle it's fun but i just look at that and i go man you're kind of delusional here like this you should be out there because it's badass to work those mallards in and watch them circle and it sure is fun to shoot them out of the sky but it's not like you know we're not like working on ai here we're not gonna we're not gonna (laughs) save the world you know (laughs) like we're taking these little former dinosaurs with tiny little brains who see you know who they think are their buddies. They're just plastic pieces of shit in the water. And they're like, Hey, I'm going to go down there. And all of a sudden these pricks jump out of a boat and shoot them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I, well, and to your point, man, like I think there's something to be said there for like related to the slump thing. Like if you're just, I mean, if you're just so, if you're just running into the brick wall so hard, like this year or whatever, and you're just in this slump, like that's a really great point of perspective is don't make them smarter than they are or, or like they've got some crystal ball and they're all knowing and don't get me wrong, incredible instincts and they're, they're intelligent and they're just like unbelievably good at surviving in their element, but they have to eat, they have to sleep, they have to have water. Like just think even in the realm of that, like you, you and I get asked all the time and you and I've had this conversation a lot about like, Oh, if I'm on a trip somewhere, I'm traveling, how do I find a, a big buck or like, how do I find that mature deer? And it's like, well, step one is find deer, (laughs) like (laughs) identify where deer are congregating for whatever reason. And then that's, you understand that because nine times out of 10 in or out of the rut, it doesn't matter. Like forget the phase, like of whatever, you know, pre-rut post or whatever it is, early season, late season, doesn't matter. If you find deer, you're, you're, you're like halfway there (laughs) now, now depending on what your goals are for size and quality and age or whatever. And that all, that'll obviously change the spectrum completely, but finding deer could be the slump buster you need is, is, is understanding where you're at and and figuring out, okay, I just need to go see deer. I need to find the freshest sign and understand why these deer are here and then go from there. Yeah. There's dude, there's such a good, a good point. I want to break down in that because when you, when we say, learn like learn to find deer first like learn learn how to locate them i think most people would listen to that and go well i know i'm around deer there's rubs and scrapes and blah blah blah. it's like no 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 no. can you walk in there and set up and have a bunch of deer walk past you in bow range right because you there's a there's a big difference here you know and this is so i talk about this all the time but it's like it becomes so real when you elk hunt when you when you go to that over-the-counter unit in colorado and you're like now I have this huge landscape and I need to get around them and they're a low density animal and they're going to be concentrated in a few spots. You just realize how worthless anything but the freshest sign actually is. And even then, are they still there? Like, and you know, we don't, we don't think about whitetails that way because we're like, Oh, whitetails live here. And it's like, 
man, you probably don't own a whole section, right? Like you're probably not hunting that buck's entire home range or those deer, like they might not live there or you might push them out real fast. Like, so when we say get on deer, it's not just like, don't look around and be like, well, there's deer tracks in the mud and there's a rub over there. Like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. can you, can you get an actual live deer to walk by you consistently? That's a big difference. Huge, huge. And it can teach you so much about how they're, like, again, you work you and then work that back. Right. So it's like that happens and then start asking like, why is that deer there? Why are they moving in this, like from this direction to this direction? And are they browsing as they go? Are they working like they're on like a destination where they're just kind of marching through or what what's their behavior where they and then then you and then it's like okay you take it look at it from like a map perspective or like get on your e-scouting and then you start breaking down okay like what if i move or or just physically boots on the ground scouting like you might have those deer come through it might not be a deer you shoot or maybe they're too far away or whatever and then you start like working that back and trying to figure it out like to me like that is how you a uncomplicate the situation of finding like a good buck or, or or something you want to shoot and be breaking yourself out of the slump. It's like just moving into that spot where, okay, I'm around deer now. This isn't, this isn't the spot, but I found the area and now I find need to find the spot within the spot. Right. And it's like, once you can start breaking it down that way, I mean, to me, like, I think that's, you get, you know, don't get all Mark Kenyon on it where like you're, you're where you're charting numbers and like, I'm just like, dude we're oh i was texting him the other day and i was just like dude what are you doing what are you doing and he's just like oh i'm figuring this out i'm figuring this out I'm like okay man <laughs> like yeah you do you buddy and i'm just like loving it and, and but anyway like <laughs> so we don't only do you know and there well we could actually have a whole entire podcast about what's going on with mark but we <laughs> but we uh but, but finding that spot within the spot, working that back, like to me, those, that's the kind of stuff that breaks slumps up. Like that's the stuff that you can, you can then, again, you're not forcefully trying to make something happen, but you're taking steps to work with the deer. Right. And it's not trying to like ram your way into them. I think, I think that can work. Yeah. You're, you're not going through the motions. You're actually still trying to figure something out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's it's so important, buddy. We are out of time. Uh, People can find your writing, you know, meat eater slash wired to hunt. You, you're doing a bunch of articles for us there. What else are you doing out there? Oh, I guess you can follow Instagram and Facebook. I don't post very much, but I'm trying to, trying to figure but out. But you the posted a picture that. of that big Iowa buck. I did. It was, it was a little late, but I did, I did finally get something up there. I got to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Got to <laughs> do it. So yeah, I mean, just Alex Gilstrom, you know, at Alex Gilstrom, Facebook, Instagram. And then, like I said, I write a, write a bunch for, for me to hear you guys over there and love doing that. So that's the best place to find find the stuff. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. Good luck with that uh, baby that's coming up here. Thanks for everything, man. I appreciate it, buddy. That's it for this week, folks. Be sure to tune in next week for more Whitetail goodness. This has been the Wired to Hunt podcast, and I'm your guest host, Tony Peterson. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you're looking for more Whitetail content, be sure to check out TheMeatEater.com slash Wired to see a pile of new articles each week by Mark Alex, who's the guest on this show, myself, and a whole slew of Whitetail addicts. Or you can head on over to the Wired to Hunt YouTube channel to view the weekly content we drop. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. 
you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.